Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Can you hear me now? Is that it? That's it. That's it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> These two instances... When they ask him a question, and the question they were asking him, and the, the point they were trying to make is, are you the Son of God? Now that's the same question we have to ask. And uh, once we answer that question in the affirmative, then we have a, a position before God of heaven that we can take with his Son that he's in our lives. But until that question is answered in our own minds then we are, we are afloat, we're adrift in, in the sea of time. We, we don't know where we're going or where we're going to end up or why we're even here. But if we can answer that question, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Then we can answer that eternal question that will set us on course to end up in a place that we want to go and end up in a place that God has prepared for us. And it will give us an opportunity to, to be with Jesus and have the most wonderful life you can imagine on this earth now. Okay. They asked the question. And that, that, that was the basic question. They weren't asking, are you going to rise from the dead? They didn't know anything about that. They were asking, they were trying to seek the, the answer to the question, are you the Son of God? Now, if I were to ask you that this morning, would you, would you say that He is the Son of God? Yeah. Do you believe that He's the Son of God? I didn't hear you. I do too. I really do. Now, they wanted a sign. They wanted, to, they wanted to figure out how can we know that you are the Son of God. Now, they were asking perhaps for a miraculous sign or a miraculous demonstration of some nature that would show them that he was the Son of God. The scribes, the Pharisees, and Sadducees asked him that same question. And they had in mind perhaps... Something like Moses performed when he was freeing the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. When he took his rod, you remember, and, and he turned it into a serpent. And when he, when he smote the river and it turned into blood, and he, he actually aff afflicted the Egyptians with ten different signs that God had spoken to him and wanted him to bring the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. You've read the story. You've read the story in this book, and this is an amazing yeah. book. 
You've read that story. And you know when Moses got to the, to the Red Sea, he lifted up the rod and the waters parted. And the children of Israel walked across on dry land. Now that was a sign, wasn't it? A sign that God was with them, that Moses was their leader. Now they were probably wanting something like this. Maybe they wanted something like Elijah's sign. <clears throat> you know, Elijah, and they were, they were looking for Elijah to come back, by the way, when Jesus got here. Amen. They were looking for Elijah, basically, before Jesus came. Anyway, Elijah went up on Mount Carmel with 400 of the prophets of Baal, B-A-A-L, Jezebel's henchmen. <clears throat> and they had a contest. They were going to see who was God. Was Baal God or was the God of heaven, Jehovah, was he God? And so the, uh, the prophets of Baal kept crying and, and, and uh, making their demonstration, trying to get Baal to consume a sacrifice that they had constructed there for him. And Elijah had, had prepared a sacrifice as well. He'd, he'd taken 12 stones and made a big fire pit and, and piled a, a bunch of uh, limbs and so forth on it then cut up oxen and placed these beasts on it. And then he poured 12 barrels of water on it. And he called upon the God of heaven, and fire came down from heaven, and it took the sacrifice, took the meat, took the wood, and it lapped up the water in the trenches. Well, that's what they were looking for. They wanted Jesus to do something like that. And his reply was classic. He called them hypocrites. He said, why are you looking for a sign? Better think about this now. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Or do you want Him to show you some sort of sign from heaven that He is the Son of God? Well, Jesus called them hypocrites. And he said, he said you are a wicked and adulterous generation. This happened on two different occasions. And the sign He gave them was simply this. He said, as Noah, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. In Mark, in Matthew chapter 11, there were some who came from John the Baptist. Remember, John had come preparing for Jesus. And then he was taken prisoner. As a matter of fact, he was taken into custody by Herod because John had told Herod he had no right to his brother's wife. And so he was in prison, but he still had his disciples around him. They were still in contact with him, in touch with him. And so he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him this question. Are you the one? What he's asking is, are you the Son of God? That's what he's asking. Are you the one? So the disciples of John came asking that question. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Well, he did plenty of things, didn't he? But they didn't want that. They didn't want to see the deaf hear or see the blind see. They didn't want to see the lame walk. They didn't want to see the lepers healed. They didn't want to see the gospel preached to the poor. They wanted a sign, some miraculous evidence that uh, Jesus was the Son of God. But belief in Jesus, and here's the point, and I'm going to drive this all through this lesson. 
Here's the point. Belief in Jesus does not depend upon a miraculous event. It, be- it depends upon faith. It depends upon faith. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you believe because you have faith. Amen. You have faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, faith is the evidence of things not seen. And Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you don't believe because of evidences that are marshaled in front of your senses. You believe because you believe in God through the Word of God. That's why you believe that Jesus rose. Faith has always been produced by the Word of God. Jesus talked to these people on several occasions and actually uh, corrected them for the for their uh, misbehavior and their misunderstanding of the Word of God. And he said in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, he said, You do err not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. The power of God, my friends, is in the Scriptures. This is where it resides. Amen. This is the power of God. John five thirty-nine: Search the Scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. Now let's talk about the resurrection. You believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I'm going to tell you again, you believe it not because of your five senses. You believe it because you read about it in God's holy word. That's where you got it. That's the only place you could get it. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the holy scriptures. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which is made of the seed of David, according to flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Now the resurrection from the dead was testified to by the prophets in the Old Testament, in the Word of God. Every aspect of our relationship with God is governed by faith. From recognizing His creative fiat, I believe that He created the heavens and the earth as it's recorded for me in Genesis chapter 1 at verse the whole chapter. I believe that. I believe in the creation because the Bible tells me He created. The Scriptures tell me. I believe in the power of His Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 says, We having the spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. That's taken from Psalms 116 at verse 10. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that He which raised up Jesus from the dead shall also raise us up by Jesus and shall present us with you. I believe I'm going to resurrect because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. By faith we understand that. Now, we don't have to have that demonstrated by science. Now, science will never contradict the Word of God. Sometimes people think they will, but most scientists will tell you, as a matter of fact, almost 98% of them will tell you that they cannot demonstrate that the creation happened any other way than by the Word of God. Most of them are believers. Believe it or not, the, uh, 
Most of the teachers at MIT are believers. Most of the scientists in this world are believers. The vast majority of scientists, doctors, educators, and so forth are believers. They believe in Jesus Christ. The Western, Western civilization, anyway. The prophets in the scriptures said that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. I'm going to take you back to this now. Follow me carefully. As you read the Old Testament, the prophets told you, told me, told them that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. In Acts chapter 2 at verse 22, it says, Ye men of Israel, this is Peter preaching. He said, Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you also have known, him be delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by wicked hands and crucified and slain, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. So Peter's saying, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's, he's risen. He said, for David spoke concerning him. Now he's going back to the scriptures. And here's Peter's proof that Jesus rose. He didn't say, wait a minute, I'm going to show you and I'll let you see and I'll let you hear and I'll let you taste and I'll let you feel and I'll let you smell the resurrection. He didn't say that. Amen. He said, Jesus rose because David said he was going to. Ha! Ha! That's what he said. David said, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, my tongue was glad, moreover also my flesh will rest in hope, because you will not leave my soul in hell, that's talking about Jesus, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of of life, you shall make me full of joy with your countenance. These promises that Jesus was going to rise are recorded in Psalm 16, verse 8 through 10, Psalms 89, verse 3 and 4, Psalms 132 and verse 11. Psalms 110 and verse 1. These texts tell us Jesus is going to rise. So what is Peter saying? He's saying, I'm telling you that Jesus rose because the Scriptures said He was going to rise. Peter believed the Scriptures. He believed the Scriptures. When Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and the other women came to the Lord to the tomb on the first day of the week, after Jesus was crucified, they were told that they should have known that Jesus would be resurrected. They were told they should have known that. What are you doing here? As a matter of fact, they were asked that question. What are you doing here? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Isn't that something? They should have known. He wouldn't be there. They should have known that. Because the scriptures had already told them that hundreds of years before. He's not going to be in the tomb. He's going to be resurrected. When these women were told that, as a matter of fact, that's that's Luke 24, verse 4 through 8. They were told that. They were said, uh, as a matter of fact, the the angel said, he's not here. They looked in the empty tomb and the angel standing there, the two of them said, he's not here. But he's risen. Then they said, don't you remember how he spoke to you when he was yet in Galilee? Don't you remember what he told you? What he told them was, five different occasions, maybe six, I'm going to rise. I'm going to come out of the tomb. 
And here they were, looking for him in the tomb. The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified the third day rise again. That's what they said. And they remembered his words. The women did. And then they ran back and told the apostles. They weren't at the tomb. So they ran back and told the apostles. So here they come, scurrying to the tomb. You know, they had to, they had to be told where it was because the, the men didn't know where the tomb was. The women did. They had taken spices and ointments and so forth to, to prepare the body of Jesus once it was buried. So they knew where the tomb was. So they were coming back to, to do some more work. They couldn't do it when he was first buried, so they came back. They knew where it was. So now then they ran back and they told the apostles who were all gathered together mourning and sad, not understanding what was going on. And so the apostles came running, and I think John outran Peter. Anyway, they got there. They got to the tomb, and it says, For as yet they knew not the Scriptures, they didn't remember, that he must rise again from the dead. John 20, verse 9. The Scriptures already said he wouldn't be there. And it says they, they didn't know that. Later that day, now then that happened early in the morning. Later that day, there were a couple of disciples walking on the way to Emmaus, they were walking along and they were discussing the fact of all the things that had happened in Jerusalem up until that time. And Jesus accompanied them. He joined them as they were walking along. He said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? What's wrong with you guys? He's walking with these two guys and they're walking along. He's saying, What's going on? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered said unto him, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? You've not known the things that have come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What? What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he who should have been redeemed, who should have redeemed Israel. Besides all this today, also of our company, some astonished us when we were early in the sepulcher when they, they didn't find his body. So they're relating what went on. They're saying some of us ran to see and he was gone. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them who were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they didn't see. They didn't see him. Then he said unto them, O fools, now listen to what he's telling them. Slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. That's the proof that Jesus rose from the dead. Because the prophets already said he's going to do it. He's saying, you fools, you silly ones, you don't believe what the prophets said? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets? He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So what did he do? He went back to the scriptures. Well, I'm holding in my hand the mightiest book in the world. You just, you, it, it's hard to comprehend how powerful this book is and what an influence it has upon the world. No other book in the world just like this never has been. In the history, in the annals of civilization, no book like it ever. 
And, the, and Jesus was saying, you should have been reading it. You should have known that I would rise. Even after this rebuke, the men went on back where they were. And they didn't comprehend what Jesus was telling them about his resurrection. Some of them went to Jerusalem then. Some of these fellows. I don't know who it was. Cleopas, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, some of them went to Jerusalem. And they found, they found uh, the, the uh, apostles gathered together. And it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 36, And while they spoke, Jesus stood in the midst of them. They went back and told their story. And while they were talking, Jesus appeared again in the midst of them where they were. Okay, now we've got two instances where you've got a group of people together and Jesus is with them. Now, they're, they're back in the city of Jerusalem. They're with this crowd. And Jesus was with them. And he said, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and frightened and, and supposed that they'd seen a spirit. They didn't believe the Scriptures. They should have said, What? Why did it take you so long? They didn't say that. They were scared to death. They were astonished. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It's me. It's myself. Handle me. And see, because a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. And while yet they believed not for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, Do you have any meat? He's going to demonstrate that he's risen. You have something to eat? You know, a spirit doesn't get hungry. An apparition doesn't get hungry. But he said, do you have something to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. He took it and ate it before them. There's evidence. There he was. And he said unto these, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, and all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. He took them back to the Scriptures. He said, this is what the Scriptures said. Why haven't you believed it? Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. The evidence of the resurrection of Jesus is couched, framed in the Scriptures and also in the Word of Jesus Himself. You know what? In John chapter 2 at verse 18, Jesus, this is the first time I can read my New Testament where Jesus promised people that he was going to rise from the dead. Now Jesus is saying it himself. The scriptures say he was going to. Now then he's telling people, I'm going to. So in John chapter 2 at verse 18 19, he answered and said unto them, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that you do these things? They, they said, Show us a sign that you should be doing this. And Jesus said unto them, He said, Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. Well, he was talking about his body, wasn't he? The resurrection. Matthew 16, 21 says, From that time forth, this is after a while after this took place, Jesus began to show unto his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. He's saying, I am going to rise the third day. He's telling them that. This is the first time. Second time, Matthew chapter 17. They shall kill him, and the third day he'll be raised again. And they were exceeding sorrowful. Matthew chapter 20, verse 17 through 19. He was going up to Jerusalem. He took the twelve disciples to part in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. Son of man will be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes. They shall condemn him to death. 
and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him, and the third day he will rise again. That's four times he's told them. I am going to rise again. Okay, fifth time, Matthew chapter 26. Garden of Gethsemane. They sang a hymn. They went out into the Mount of Olives. Jesus said unto them, All you will be offended because of me this day. It is written, I will smite the shepherd, and sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. He said it again. And then what happened? Well, he arose. And we've, we saw a couple of instances. Another instance involved a fellow called Doubting Thomas. Remember him? Jesus appeared to the apostles. And then they told Thomas came, Johnny come lately, or Tommy come lately. He came and he said, I'm not going to believe, I will not believe that Jesus rose again until I use my senses. See, hear, smell, touch, feel, what? Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus. He was a twin. He's a twin brother. Was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples said unto him, We've seen the Lord. He said unto him, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand inside, I will not believe. After eight days again, his disciples were inside and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the resurrected Lord. The doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And he said unto Thomas, Reach your finger and behold your hands and reach your hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. Now here's what Jesus said to him. Thomas, because you have seen me and have believed, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. Why? How can you believe if you haven't seen? Because you believe the Scriptures. And you believe Jesus. Jesus said to himself, I am going to rise again. Do you believe him? He said he was going to. I believe him. No doubt there are physical proofs around that sometimes we can, uh, with our contemporaries, that he rose from the dead. There's an empty grave. And the testimony of reliable witnesses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul enumerates these. There are eight verses there. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you also received, and wherein you stand, by which also you saved, if you keep in mind that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Then he said, Christ died for our sins. He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained under the present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Notice here that he mentions the apostles first and then James. This, this James was probably his brother. Anyway, that information was passed along among believers. However, few people, even at that time, had the opportunity to examine the witnesses. I, I doubt if too many people in that era, in the first century after Jesus died, had the opportunity to actually sit down with one of these 500 and ask what they'd seen who they'd seen, and when they'd seen him. And Paul said some of them have died. Now, you could talk to Paul, but Paul saw Jesus after Jesus appeared to him in a vision. 
The information was passed along among the believers, however. It was simply a fact. Listen, it was a fact of faith. Not an empirical fact. Not a phenomenal fact. It was a fact of faith. Fact of faith. Just like Martha, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, when, when her brother Lazarus was died, and Jesus came and resurrected him, before he resurrected him, Martha met Jesus on the road, and she said, if, if you had been here, my brother would have lived. And Jesus re- responded to her. He said, uh, you don't, he will rise again. And she said, I, I know he will at the resurrection. And then Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. That means he cannot die and stay dead. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though we were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? And she said, Martha said, Yea, Lord, I believe that he shall live. Paul further made the point that if we don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, our faith is useless. You have no faith at all if you don't believe he rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, he said, If Christ be not risen, our preaching is vain. Your, your faith is vain. You just don't believe. Do I need empirical proof in addition to my faith that Jesus rose from the dead? Do I have to go look in the tomb, see if it's empty? I don't even know where it is. Do you? Can I examine the... the uh, Clothing, the death clothing, they wrapped it. It's gone. I don't. What about those fellows that were there guarding the tomb? Can I cross-examine them? No. As a matter of fact, they were told to lie about it anyway. Can you can you actually believe that kind of a witness? How can I how can I figure out whether or not Jesus rose from the dead? Because I read it on the pages of inspiration. The Bible told me he's going to. The Old Testament did. And then Jesus himself said, I'm going to rise again. And the apostles said, and it's now recorded in their testimony, and their testimony is faith. The gospel is faith. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And the gospel is the words of the apostles written down by inspiration. So now then, how do I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? How can I, because my hope is based upon this, and depends upon this. How can I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? The scriptures told me that he was going to. I believe that he did. Jesus said, I'm going to. I believe that he did. The apostles said he did. And I believe what they said. So my faith is based not upon empirical knowledge. And you know, sometimes... Preachers get carried away and think that we need more than that. And so they begin to try to examine all the critical evidence that we have and look back on it and see if they can countermand some of the lies that were told and so forth and try to figure out some way to show me somehow through physical evidence that Jesus rose from the dead to which I reply, that's not where my faith rests. My faith rests in the Word of God. And John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Jesus Christ is the Word. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I can look around, and you can too. And you can see the impact 
that Jesus has had upon this world. I understand that one out of every three people in the world believes in Jesus Christ. At least they, they say that. They say that. I know the Word of God is all over the world. It's gone everywhere. I know that people all over the world are gathered together today proclaiming their faith that Jesus rose from the dead. And you know what? The only evidence they have that He did is right here. It's right here. That's why we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And you know what? When Paul was talking to the king, he was a king at that time, he was a titular king, King Agrippa. Now, Agrippa was a king probably of the of an area, confined area called Galilee. He was, a, he was a fraudulent king. As a matter of fact, he didn't have the genealogy he needed. He didn't have the credentials he needed to be a king in Israel. He didn't have that. But he had pronounced himself a king and through his family's manipulation in Rome, his father, his grandfather, had been in Rome with, with the Roman emperors and they had appointed him as a king of Idumea and a king of Galilee and so forth in, in the area of Palestine. And then it had been passed on down to him. But one thing he knew, one thing this king knew and he had to know, he knew the scriptures. This king Agrippa knew the scriptures. And Paul was talking to him about the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. And he said to Agrippa, because he knew Agrippa knew the scriptures, he said, why should it be thought a thing, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Why should that be incredible to you? Because Agrippa had the scriptures. Why should it be incredible? It thought incredible to you. And I ask you the question, is it incredible to you that Jesus rose from the dead? What evidence do you need? The only evidence we have is the evidence of faith. And the faith, our faith is based upon God's holy word. Jesus rose from the dead. You believe it, and I believe it, and I know why. Let's stand and sing our song of invitation.